Good people and fellow students, welcome to another episode of All That Yes, a space for performance, craft, and showbiz, where news and reviews will be flowing from music, film, content, and all that yes. So... Today's a special episode of All That Yas filled with a lot of surprises and celebrations because it's been quite a time as South African performers have been showing out in sport, music, and entertainment. Can we talk about how South Africans are four-time rugby world champions, the most of any nation in the world as the Springbok managed to pull back-to-back wins at the Rugby World Cup? Or should we discuss how at the point of recording this episode, Tyler, our pop piano princess is currently sitting at number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 4 on the UK singles charts, and number 6 on Australia's ARIA charts as water just keeps climbing. And with the momentum it has, South Africa might be having our first solo Hot 100 top 10 since Huma Sakela did it with grazing in the grass 55 years ago. I'm not even sure if we've ever topped the UK singles charts, let alone been in the top 5 before. I tried looking but I couldn't find any definitive information, but either way, what I know for sure is contemporary history is being written before our very eyes as Tyler keeps making them charts sweat and racking up Soul Train nominations as she does it. Today's a special episode because for the first time in all that Yaz history, all of our music previews will be playing our exclusives. You can't hear versions of these songs by anyone else unless you're friends with the artist or you're listening to this episode way in the future when the songs are already out. And outside of the music, three of the films and TV series we'll be discussing are also yet to come out. So when you're talking about insider information and bringing things to you hot off the press, it doesn't get much hotter than this. Now part of why this episode is so stacked is because this is my final roundup episode of the year. Your boy's life has been turned upside down and I can tell that I will not have time to step on the mic like this for another roundup episode. So essentially we're bringing you two episodes in one and in fact the list that we have is so stacked that I might make this a two-parter so you might, if I do feel that the episode is going on too long, you might see that this is part one coming out on a Friday and a part two will be coming out maybe on the Sunday. So with all of that said, these aren't the final episodes of All That Yaz. We do have at least two more interviews, one which is coming out next week. So I'm not leaving you dry, but I am saying goodbye on the roundups until next year. One of the final reasons today's episode is special to me is because one of those four previews is my debut song. I got music coming out, y'all. So I thought... It would only be fair that the first place where you will hear an extended preview of what I've been working on would be on All That Yaz. Um, just for a bit of clarification, my artist name is not Yaz, it will be Jakes, which is one of my childhood nicknames. Yeah, this has been something I've really wanted to do essentially my whole life and I'm really proud and I'm still in disbelief that I finally have actually done this because essentially I've I'm treating this as a bucket list item. So I'm really proud of what I've done, but this is my first run around. <laughs> this is my first like proper attempt at making music. So I'm gonna need you to be honest on how you feel about it when we get there with love. Um, if you don't like it, don't just say, don't, don't just be saying it's trash. Let me know specifically what you don't like or what you do like. 
music has always been one of my great loves and i think this podcast is the testament to that so i genuinely can't wait to share this journey with you and to see how you guys react to it because i've it's been a joy making it genuinely is it's <laughs> it's been something for my inner child and um i'm really excited but we're gonna get there when we get there but now get comfortable relax as we get into another round the final round of all that yes of 2023 kicking off the first of our exclusive previews is a sumptuous banger from a savvy soweto duo that goes by jukebox They'll be setting the pace with the project where Silas takes lead, and this is a song that goes by Iskiba. Silas Africa really is one of my favorite countertenors of all time. The way Soprano is able to slide and soar on soulful productions is a gift that keeps on giving. So I'm more than ecstatic that we're finally getting a full body of work from him. If you've seen Jukebox Live, you've seen how much of a vibe this song is, and the studio version doesn't disappoint because the way the bass chooses to exploit the groove in this production is actually quite sinister. Nami and Jay Stuyvesant provide the kind of groove that I keep calling soul food because it just it hits the spot so satisfyingly for me. You've got that heavy quadro influence that's piano adjacent that mixes incredibly well with Silas's heavy R&B inflection. It just takes me back to the music of my childhood and that nostalgia is further ramped up by the interpolation of the classic Iskipa dance which grounds itself in a much more sensual tone within this context because we be holding shoulders and hips for completely different reasons now. <laughs> 
Jokes aside, his keeper captures a distinctly South African sound and updates it in very fun ways which makes it familiar, but not an outright cover in ways that a lot of interpolations can often feel to me. I highly recommend looking out for the release when it comes out this summer, but as you wait, give a listen to some of their back catalogue because Lesedi and Talos Africa know their way around making fun yet soulful bangers. Again, you're currently listening to Eskiba by Silas Africa featuring Jukebox. Keeping with the theme of a distinctly South African source, our first show up for discussion is a docu-series that brings us into the formation of one of South Africa's most influential and legendary record labels in Kalawa Jazz Me with the Kalawa Jazz Me story. When we came in as Kalawa Jazz Me. But before we get there, let's just go back. This four-part docu-series originally aired on Zanti Magic and is currently available on DSTV Catch-Up until February. It is a story that covers the formation, rise, and relevance of one of the most revolutionary African record labels in Kalawa Jazz Me. I'll be frank, I missed a lot of the lived-in reality that formed the cultural weight of what Kalawa Jazz Me means because it wasn't something that I experienced firsthand. I was born from a South African mother in exile, so whilst the music of Boom Shaka, Bongo Muffin, Mapiki Zolo, Trumpies, and the list of icons that Kalawa has produced is really endless, and their music definitely crossed over, and it's music that I've had a great attachment to and has been part of my musical diet, I can't say that I've had the same level of connection or resonance to the institution behind these artists. So what the Kalawa Jasmine story has really done for me is really give depth to the world and temperature of what this landmark label meant within South African music and really tell that story with a personal nuance. I've just finished the second episode and I'm fascinated by the fact that this coalition originally began as a beef because two different music camps jumped on the same beat and then accused the other of stealing from them when both of these songs became hits. And part of what the first episode is about is explaining how that beef kind of came out and where the miscommunication was. On top of that, we start to understand a little bit more about the cultural and critical conversations that were surrounding the quiet movement as it was rising and the music music that was being made as a response to not only the society at the time, but the very criticisms that were being placed upon the genre by the critics themselves. Each episode takes its time in providing context, painting pictures and reimagining history in a way that really invites you to be a part of the world, which is a testament to Vincent Molloy's direction, the choices of characters and how the dynamics of these characters play into the storytelling and to really understand what this landmark label again really means, not just to us, but to the society in ways that um, reverberate across not just one generation but multiple generations of hit makers as well as artists like Jukebox who just actually previewed today which you can hear the direct lineage of what the work that Kalawa Jasmine did then to what is being made now and what I'm really growing to love about this era and this isn't just about Kalawa Jasmine but in general there seems to be a rise of documentaries focusing on our modern cultural history within entertainment. Part of the reason why I have so much knowledge about American and British entertainment and why I'm able to get so many facts and figures about them is because there's an endless amount of curated media that doesn't just give access to a body of work, but attaches significance to what that work means. 
whether that comes in the form of concentrated entertainment, journalism, documentaries, video essays, curated podcasts that are there to not only tell the story when it comes out, but to continue stories, give different perspectives, nuances that you can continue to build upon. And these are the things which then build the legacies that that cement our legends and cement our cultural figures, but also allow people who weren't there to then find access to better understand what's going on. Another example of this can be found with the documentary Music Is My Life, which tells the story of Dr. Joseph Shabalala, the founder of Ladysmith Black Mambazo. Music Is My Life really allows one to feel how big the Black Mambazo mania was in the 80s and to better understand the really unique space they occupied as Black cultural figures to the world within apartheid, as well as understanding the rich legacy of traditional music that Ladysmith Black Mambazo embodies, the love that Dr. Shabalala had for it, and the whirlwind of a story that was his life in and outside of music. It was my favorite South African film that I got to watch last year at festivals and has now been chosen as South Africa's entry into the Oscars for Best International Feature, becoming our first documentary that's competing in the field. I had the absolute privilege of interviewing Music Is My Life director Mpumi Bele on my other podcast African Film, which solely focuses on the African cinema industry. And you can have a listen to that conversation if you want to, to understand just the amount of work that goes into making documentaries surrounding figures of that scale. It should be the seventh episode of our second season on African film, spelled A-F-R-I-Q-U-A-N film, but it should also, um, you can also find the spelling of it in our description tab. But in returning to this conversation on local documentaries, I'm also appreciating that we're seeing more docus being centered on stars from younger generations outside of the scope of reality dramas. One of my favorite recent, uh, one of my recent favorites being Muzi's documentary, The Odyssey of the Zulu Walker, which is directed by Fred Kayembe as part of Kandu's Unbreakable series. Zulu Walker gives you the story of Muzi's but it also brings you into what it's been like for him to make music that gets significantly more support and reception outside of the country than what he gets here. Um, in fact, one of the key themes for me in this film is him choosing to go where he's wanted. During the film's Q&A session, something Muzi said, and I'm quoting this verbatim, is something changes when you get on a plane because you see the world how you're seen and they see me as Africa. So what does that type of realization do to you and what does that mean for the music you're creating when you feel that type of iconography being attached to you as an artist? Odyssey of the Zulu Walker gives a small peek into that, into how that affects him or how it is that he wrangles with that within his artistry. Keeping on Muzi, um, if you do not know, last month he released a self-titled album. It's one of my personal favorites of the year. Muzi has this quality of being able to imbue generations of cultural identity into his music in a way that feels intimate whilst giving you music that is arena anthemic and when he really wants to completely cinematic. I could wax lyrical about the things that amaze me with his music even on songs that I may not personally enjoy just because of how much depth and care you can derive from the work that he's put into it. I had the privilege of going to one of Umuzi's listening sessions and this is what he had to say about the album and what Umuzi means to him. So about like three years ago, um, because of John, my manager, and my good friend, Nelson, um, they, they were telling me about like, that I should take more drives so that I can see the land and be inspired by like, um, our people, right? So I started doing these drives with um, my friends, Ulu and Hutu Zeno also. I don't know if you saw me here. My constituents. <laughs> Um, and then the more we started like doing these trips and the more I got to see like 
people outside of my immediate environment, which is like KZN or Mbangi, um, I started getting like these, I guess, memories like started coming back of when I was taking like road trips with my parents when I was a kid. And um, in that, I started thinking about if I had one last like road trip with my parents, like what music would be playing, what car would we be in, and what would I tell them? And then that's when like the whole like, album like ideas started flowing in. Uh, so it's a it's a road trip. Hence, if you see like the car, like the Cressida, my dad used to drive a Cressida. If you watch the video, the game Tunzalini, um, I'm pretty much playing my dad, and yeah, just like the story of the journey, right? Uh, so then it made sense that if if I was telling that story, I wanted to start the album off with a song where I'm speaking about how. I'm speaking about self-love, so the first song is called Zinike, uh, which is, I guess, short for Zinigutage, um, and it just felt good to like start the album with that. Uh, Sound-wise, it's very 80s South African music, 90s South African music, like I took a lot of inspiration from, uh, obviously you guys know I love Brenda Fasu, so like I was taking like things from there, from Pondovu, and like from like sounds for of like in the Balco, like the fast electronic music. Um, and yeah, so that sort of guided me with regards to where I was trying to go with the sound. So yeah, first song is called Zinik. This listening session was one of the most memorable and daring I think I've ever attended for multiple reasons. One, experiencing that music with a, with, purely just Muzi fans was a joyous experience to just like bask in that in, in that sound and in that experience and experiencing this for the first time with other people but also in the stories that he stories that he was sharing about his musical process and what this music means to him and again really finding the depth and understanding the depth not just in the stories that he puts into the music but in how people have received him I I just wanted to be a producer, you know, like I felt like it worked with my personality. I wanted I wanted to be behind the scenes or whatever. And then sometimes when I'd send ideas, like they'd come back from artists and be like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was like the first thing. And then but also I wasn't like confident enough at the time, you know, I just wanted to make beats and whatnot. And once I realized that I guess I had something to say. And then being also aware of that, like my voice matters. Then I started like telling these stories because when I looked at stuff, it was I would just like say this like there's a lot of art that tells like that makes people forget. So like you can forget about your worries or whatever. But for me, like the artists I would really resonate with were the artists that were telling me the truth. So they they tell me like what's actually going on and they show me that and through that I feel better. You know, and I wanted to be that artist also. I wanted to add light, and then I started just like singing more and more. And then my mom lied to me, and she was like, "Yeah, if you can talk, you can sing." And then, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man, sure. and then I, I believed her, and yeah, like so. I've just been like trying to grow with that, and uh, trying. Wow. Thanks, mom. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I just. Became more confident as I grew older. 
So um, your dad drove a Cressida, my dad drove a Ford Container. Um, uh, you got a daughter, I got a daughter. It was a special thing, and Umuzi to me is a special album with some of my favorites being Mtunzini, Igagazi, and Light. So if any of what I have said or what he said has interested you, go and give Umuzi a spin and let me know how you find it. And now I think it is time for our second of the exclusive previews as we set our sights on Pretoria's P-Wall. P.O. has been on an excellent feature on the show from Amos's Lobola to Huey's Gardens, but with the release of All For You last month, she made it clearer that she's ready to have another era, and with the snippet from her upcoming EP's title track, here is a taste of Things We Feel. One of the things I enjoy the most about Piwo is her poetic 
lyricism. Girl knows how to be colorful and evocative with her words. I haven't heard the whole project yet, but things we feel the song seems to fall into a catalog of meditative lullabies, like no mistakes and letters, while sonically it feels like she's in the process of broadening her sound into sonics that feel more introspective. Nash FTR's production here is honestly quite dreamy in a way that shows pure in a more pop soul light, and it feels like she's breaking into the more traditionally soulful spaces. So I'm really intrigued to hear what that would sound like since she fully dives into a wider canvas because this is it's a nice taste it's a it's a really good teaser so i'm excited to hear what the full things we feel ep sounds like and to see what specific style she could form to when she goes fully into album mode but for now we wait for the ep which Pio has said is coming soon where you'll be able to hear the song in full as well as the full project but let me know how did you find this preview are you enjoying the the sound that Pio was coming into i genuinely find it quite exciting and i'm looking at this recording and i said if this episode was going to turn too long i might turn it into two parts and it seems like i'm going to be doing exactly that as this is going to be our midpoint so i shall see you guys for part two this sunday where i'll be talking about showmax's brand new drama called spinners yellowbone entertainment's upcoming the queenstown kings and some of the really amazing things that are happening within the african animation industry i will also have exclusive previews from imani basquiat as well as my debut song which is called Don't Look Back, and who knows, I might be talking to a certain star about their life on Pluto. This has been part one of the final All That Yaz Roundup special of 2023. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard thus far, and I shall see you Sunday.